Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Um, anyways, our brother Daryl, um, good talk with Daryl. I probably tell the story every time he comes, but um, he grew up not too far from Central Gospel Chapel in Miami, that area of Miami. How old were you when you left Dade County? Uh, Nineteen. The Lord's taken him all around places, but he came back to Florida. He lives right here in Lake County, right off of US 27. Fellowships with the folks at the Bear Lake Bible Chapel. We're happy when we can have him over here to minister God's word. So we're going to turn the remainder of our time over yeah. to Daryl Jacobs. Well, Billy, I, I don't know if you had selected this last hymn, 383, more about Jesus, but uh, on on purpose, it leads us right into the subject that Frankie Frankie read about. I, I hope I got that. There, there's some, frankly uh, speaking, three Franks I've got to make certain I've got them all right. And thank you for reading that. So we're going to turn then to Romans chapter 8. Verses 35 through 39, and this will be our base of study uh, this, this morning. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Now, if you remember Romans chapter 7, near the end, there's a struggle going on in the life of the Apostle Paul, this warring between two natures. And of course, we all face that who are born again. We have this struggle between the Lord Jesus who lives in us, but yet we still have this inner person, the flesh, who resists the things of the, of the Spirit. There's this war going on. And it almost can be a little bit despair, despairing, uh, discouraging as we read through the, the end of Romans 7. But if you're looking for encouragement and a sense of victory in the Christian life, keep reading because Romans 8 is a most incredible chapter. Um, it certainly addresses something of living the victorious Christian life. I'd like to go maybe beyond that because there are many um, benefits, many blessings that the Lord Jesus has bestowed upon us. Yes, includes the present day that we live in, but also it includes uh, the future, eternity future. It's a marvelous chapter. What the Lord has done, taken us who are vile sinners, undeserving of grace, undeserving of salvation. He has taken and given so many things, some of which, at least seven, are mentioned in Romans chapter 8. The chapter starts off with no condemnation and ends with no separation. 
And then tucked in between are at least five other things. For instance, the power of the indwelling spirit that we have, roughly verses 2, perhaps through uh, 7 or 8, maybe even further on down. We have that residing. If you are a true believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, we can look to and hopefully submit to the leading of the Spirit in our lives, which, of course, demands a relationship with the Lord day by day, more love for the Lord Jesus, seeking His will, obeying His commandments, spending time with Him. All of those things add up. And as we yield to Him, yes, difficulties will come our way, as we read in verses 35 through 39. But there is that peace knowing that you are in the will of God. He gives that peace that passeth understanding, uh, that passeth all understanding. Now, verse 36, which was read, I'd like to try (laughs) to expound on this a little. For me, this verse has, has been a very difficult one to know why was it inserted here? Why is it there? As it is written, verse 36 of chapter 8, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. One of the things that came to my attention, I know I have much more to learn about this verse, But the thy, who is the thy that the writer is referring to? For thy sake we are killed. And it's in a lowercase t, and I suppose I just imagine, well, it it refers for, for my sake. But if you have certain versions will have a capital T there. We're we're saying or the word is saying, it's for the Lord's sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So there's an identification associated with this. For his sake, we who are Christians have identified with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection the moment we are saved, it's for his name's sake. We identify with him. We live as unto him. Um, we are united with him. And if you remember in Romans chapter 6 in the King James, it says, We are planted together in his likeness, in the likeness of his death, burial, resurrection. Uh, Some expositors use the analogy of Siamese twins. They're joined together. But I like personally to think of it even more. There's a unity with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just two people connected, although we are as believers, connected with the Lord Jesus Christ, inseparable. But there is more 
the phrase in Christ is found in so many of the epistles. In him. There is a unity. And I believe that's a key to understanding this question, a rhetorical question. Is there anything that can separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35. There is nothing. We are bound up in him, knit together. This may be a lame illustration, but um, my wife and I have these soy protein shakes that we often drink uh, for, for lunch. And we mix some different things in it, fruit and, of course, the soy protein and milk and so forth. Put it in a blender. And my wife uh, may say, well, I, I put some strawberries in there today. Uh, hopefully that's okay, and it is. It's great. But... What if I'd said, uh, no, I, I don't want those strawberries. Let's, can we extract them? Can we take them out? I would say it virtually would be impossible to separate any of that. Okay? And I, I tie that little illustration in nothing. We are bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Nothing. In the present day we live and in the future as believers we go home to be with the Lord. We're his forever. We are his and he is ours. So to me, that rhetorical question, what or who shall separate us? Nothing. And to me, that's a given. And I've accepted that over years. Nothing is going to separate myself as a believer from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves so much and he gave his all, as we are, are told earlier in verse 32. And so did the Father. If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for us. In fact, this entire chapter, chapter 8, you have God, God the Father. The Son is for us. He intercedes for us, as we were thinking earlier. There is also the indwelling Holy Spirit for us. The total Godhead, what better can it be than to have God totally for us? So very encouraging. Now, for thy sake, let's come back to verse 36. We are killed all the day long. And yes, eventually the Lord Jesus Christ was killed, of course. He experienced death. Some believers are um, killed. I think the I believe the thought is here that the world, the flesh, the adversary seek to eliminate those who are associated with Christ. And it may not be a physical elimination. It may be an ostracizing to um, kind of encourage our defeat. Uh, the adversary, um, he's the accuser of the brethren, Revelation chapter 12. He accuses us, we're told, night and day. And yet we have one who is our 
advocate, who is, as some commentators would say, our counselor for the defense. Moment by moment, we are kept in his love. Nothing's going to separate us. There are, who, would, who would like a, a lawyer like that, an advocate, to go to bat for us, so to speak, continually? He is protecting us. Um, what a wonderful Savior we have. Um, there is the world, flesh, adversary. I believe they are united in a, a sense from keeping us united to the Lord. But they won't succeed. If we are truly in the Lord, we are his for eternity. Now, nothing is going to end this relationship. But I wonder sometimes if it is us on our side um, that can sort of uh, hinder. We get so bogged down in the experiences that we go uh, go through in this world. Uh, we get kind of distracted such that our eyes are taken uh, off of the Lord Jesus. And that's where defeat, despair may come in and, and other negative sorts of things. So I would like to suggest to you that these things such as distress, tribulation, persecution, and the list is extensive, um, obviously they will not separate us from the love of, of God. But in going through them and having the biblical mindset we should have, um, we will have in our own lives greater assurance of no separation. And we're going to try to give some examples of that in just a moment. Not only that, uh, no separation, but we read of more than conquerors. It's beyond just keeping us in the Lord Jesus. There's more than, and of course Romans is no, known for that, those two words, more than. We have so much more. More than conquerors. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's... Let's try to answer that question. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians 3, 19, to me, this is a great goal that God has for each believer. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, we also read a, a passage in Philippians. You might remember Philippians 3.10, that I might know him, and so forth. The three other things um, that we, God wants us to know. God has desires for us to grow in him in the knowledge of him. And we were singing more about 
Jesus, would I know? Now, that word know is more than just facts. And like was being said earlier, I know nothing is going to separate me from the love of God. That to me is a given. The word of God says so. I believe it. I'm going on with it. But this word know, in Ephesians 3.19 and Philippians 3.10, means more than just facts. It means to know through experience. It's from the Greek gnosko. So is Philippians 3. So, uh, 10. And to know, it's through experience, the love of Christ. It's through the various experiences that we come across in our daily lives. And many of them have more of a well, some of a negative tendency, and we say, why is that coming up on me? You know, but the Lord can use it to show that he indeed is faithful. He is present in his own way and timing. He comes through and shows us he's not going to separate from us. To know the love of Christ which passeth, that means immeasurable, passeth. It's boundless. It's incredible. It passeth knowledge, which translates science, the facts. You remember um, that old show, Dragnet, the guy would say, just the facts, ma'am, you know, that kind of thing. Well, God wants us to know more than just the basic knowledge. And many of us have that, you know, being in the assemblies. We preach the truth. We preach these things that are the word of God, and we stand by them. But we all know, too, that the various things we come across in our daily lives, how are we going to handle those things? Are we going to just, why did this sickness happen to me? Why did I get so close to death? And so forth. Why don't and can have some bad attitudes about it? Whereas when we see, and I for one have to recognize, these are means that God has permitted for me to draw the closer to Him, to get to know Him personally in a greater way. He wants us to do that. And when we do so, we have a promise here in, I should say, Ephesians 3.19, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, which is kind of an endless thing. What's the fullness of God? It is, it is boundless. So, we're dealing now with reality more than head knowledge. We are getting to know the greatness of our God and His boundless nature and every attribute. For what we were just describing, I believe that ties in with the Romans 8. We are more than conquerors.
So, yes, we know he's with us, not going to separate from us. But more than that conquest, that victory, we're going to come to know the Lord in a much greater way and, and see his, his, his love in this case. Now let's examine a few of these areas as much as time will permit us and, and try to look at some practical examples. Um, tribulation. Uh, shall tribulation or distress and so forth separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, verse 35, is normally attributed to external kinds of things that others can see, trials that we go through. Uh, it was about 10 years ago. I had three fairly serious illnesses. One was an appendectomy, and the attending physician was pretty apathetic in his whole approach to the ordeal. And I was approaching death. Uh, they were giving me the wrong medication. I was kind of in a delirious state. I, I couldn't pray. I tried, but my mind just went in a thousand different directions. But after the medication was changed, thanks be to prayers of the Lord's people, the Lord himself, it was turned around. I became more aware of the prayers of the Lord's people, him, the Lord, working through people. This was an expression of his love to me, but his love for others using them as fit vessels for the master's use. And how encouraging it was to hear of the many people who were upholding in prayer. As I heard that and meditated upon it, here's where I got the sense that, yeah, this is beyond measure. It's incredible. I sense more of the fullness of God working, at least in my life, out of appreciation, appreciation for God. Uh, um, interceding for me and working through his pe uh, uh, working through his people. Um, distress that we read of in verse 35, notice it's very close to the word stress, which is very often viewed by commentators as something internal such a, as we're in a narrow, cramped situation that often only we can identify with and no one else seems to either care or can enter into our concern. Sometimes a person will say to you, to me, you just don't know what I'm going through. And that may be true. It's hard for us to identify internally what they're, they're going through. Um, there's this old spiritual, goes back probably in the mid-1800s. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> Nobody knows but Jesus. No one understands like Jesus. That's a more um, current hymn that we 
saying. Uh, there seems to be no way out. But if we have a relationship with the Lord, we sense, yes, he is present. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us, as Hebrews reminds us. And we draw that internal strength that we need through whatever that stressful situation is that we're going through. Now, let's take at least one scriptural example of this. Uh, Actually, both tribulation and distress. Turn to 2 Corinthians 7.5. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. All writing here. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We'll stop there for just a moment. The flesh referring to the body, evidently the difficulties he was facing and others with him. Their, their bodies were suffering as a result of the trial they were going through, including the stress. But we were troubled on every side. Now, here's the trial. Without were fightings. Kind of observable. And if it was the Corinthians, of course, we know there were a lot of egos involved in that situation. And to try to resolve what was going on in the assembly at Corinth, it it was not easy. Without were fightings, within were fears. There's the stress part, within were fears. We know uh, Paul had said he had this care for the churches as he saw them developing. And what anxiety that can present with all of the difficulties that that can um, come uh, with the formation, the establishment of the church of God in Christ Jesus. Now look in the next verse, verse 6. Nevertheless, God, who comforted, comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God used a servant, Titus, and through his servant, a fit vessel for the master's use, there was great consolation that God uh, gave. God manifested himself to Paul and to others of, of his love, his grace, his faithfulness, and so forth. Another situation, if you look at Second uh, Timothy Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Second Timothy 4, 16. At my first defense, no man stood with me. Boy, imagine that. And talk about being planted together with Christ, you know, being one with him. Um, experiencing rejection big time. No man stood with me, but all forsook me. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, the prime model of that. 
I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Even through that very difficult internal stress and probably a trial, outwardly, it, it took a toll on Paul physically, possibly that by me the preaching might be fully known and all the Gentiles might hear. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And that could have been a literal physical lion or, of course, the adversary roams about seeking whom he may devour. So the adversary was trying to, of course, get rid of Paul. The Lord had many purposes for Paul And it was in the Lord's timing that Paul would be taken to go home to be with the Lord. We could turn to other places such as 2 Samuel 23.20. We don't have time to do that. A marvelous story concerning David's mighty men, Benaiah, who had some outward observable battles. But then there was one, 2 Samuel 23, 20, one where he was found in a pit. Wow, we've been in the pits sometime, haven't we? And he was facing a lion, the adversary, and on a snowy day, if you come from a snowy climate, you know you've got to watch your step or you might slip and slide And that lion would be right on top of Benaiah. He had, Benaiah had to have a relationship with the Lord. Benaiah, of course, was instructed from his master, a type of the Lord Jesus in one sense. He looked to his master and and got his training from the master. And so should we, lest we fall We keep looking to him. You know, sometimes these travesties or trials come upon us, um, you know, just like a riptide. You go out to the beach and a riptide can wipe you away. And you can be a strong swimmer and be, be killed. You can be defeated. And it's all you can do to get back where you should be. And so sometimes trials, none of us are um, undefeatable, shall we say. Um, We can be taken if we lose our sight, take our sights off of the Lord. Let's come back to Romans chapter 8. A few more illustrations here. Romans 8, famine. Perhaps many, well, probably in recent days, even with the liberal news, we have heard things about famine, um, recent trend in food shortages, baby formula, beef. My wife and I were at Wendy's uh, not too long ago, and yeah, we said for a cup of chili, where's the beef? It was very little. In there was pretty much beans and a liquid, you know. Um, 
You read in the news, conservative or liberal, yes, proje projected. Um, there are food shortages coming in by the end of this year, so to speak. Um, it's going to be really bad for us in the United States. In some places like Wisconsin, I heard on the news this morning, shells are, are bare. And so, yes, it's very easy for fear to overtake us when we hear of any of these things. We can imagine certain things coming upon us and we dying a death that is uh, certainly uncomely, not easy. Um, reminded by Paul, who suffered in hunger and thirst. Here was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He was not exempt from famine. Famine has been with us for centuries, yes. And it seems to be more and more pressing uh, as you uh, see, see the, the news. Um, and so we need to take it, as the saying goes, one day at a time, depending on the Lord, trusting. There is a brother and sister who about 40 years ago uh, were living in the central Florida area. Their cupboards were getting pretty bare. And I know they were trusting in the Lord. And it was the next morning uh, they looked out on their front porch. God provided groceries for this couple. And they rebounded. God is faithful. And through such experiences, they're hard to go through. But the Lord, if we're faithful to him and depend on him, trust, cling to him, he will provide. And it, it, it gives that sense, yes, the Lord has not left us. He loves us. He's going to provide for us. And we become more than conquerors. We, miraculously, are filled more with the fullness of God, one of the goals that God has for us. We could go on with some of these others. We're running out of time. Peril. Um, 2 Corinthians 11.26. We won't turn there. Eight times in one verse, Paul speaks of the perils that he faced. Again, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We stand in peril or in jeopardy every hour. Every hour. Paul wrote that. We, we read further on, verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death, none of these things can separate us. So death, one of my other 10, year, 10 years ago experiences, I had ventricular fib on a surgical table and uh, the surgeon didn't, he, he was quite taken aback by it. He did not expect it. Ventricular fib, the heart was going like this and the paddles had to be put on twice before my heart got back into a regular rhythm. It was just a, an ablation procedure, not an oblation. That's something different where 
you're put on fire as a sacrifice for the Lord. I was afraid that was what was going to happen. No. No, this was an oblation. And the Lord brought me through. Others who were, of course, conscious, they were aware of it, they were shocked about it. It wasn't until several months later I started having my doubts. Um, And there's where I had to, as I had time with the Lord. You know, I thought, well, this darkness that I'm in during this ventricular fib, I knew nothing at that time. I got to thinking, is this what death is like? Is it going to continue on for eternity? And many people, of course, believe that. I had to come back to the truth, the reality of the Word of God and all the promises and the verification uh, through prophecy, the life of the Lord Jesus, his resurrection, for what he has accomplished in my life and the lives of others. All of that added up. Yes, his word is true. And death, no matter what the experience, is going to separate me from his love. We could go on. Principalities, uh, UFO sightings, you know, they're probably... um, Demonics, demons, demonic activity, really, um, as we approach the imminent return of the Lord uh, to catch us up, and then eventually he will come, rule and reign. Um, The demons know. They're, They're going to be, their end is very, very near. They've been defeated at Calvary, and eventually... They're going to the lake of fire. Maybe they are being aroused to have one last push, but they will not succeed. So what can we say? What, what's, what, what are the solutions to all of this as we close out here? Um, fear and uncertainty, powerlessness, can be associated with all of these so-called negative things that we may come across in, in life. And as I've been suggesting through the message, a key issue is to separate to him. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ. The difficulty is not him as much as it is us who in our attitude we are overcome either by doubts, despair, fear, powerlessness, our imagination kicks in and we lose ground in our relationship with the Lord. Right away when any of these negative things, fear and so forth, come in, we need to flee to him for refuge. Don't let a moment lapse. Flee to him for, for refuge. Heartfelt prayer, study in the word, fellowship with his people as we approach the coming of the Lord's people, uh, a, a approach of the Lord for his people. We see a laxness in gathering together and just coming when you want 
and maybe on rare occasion contributing. This should not be occurring. We need to be faithful to the Lord, dependent on him to help us with what he has for us as we live for him. Uh, In Romans 8, verse 28, all things work together for good to them that love God. It's imperative that we are developing in our love for God, which includes obedience to his word and coming to know him in a greater way. In 2 Timothy 1.7, we read, It is our love for him that casts out fear. I did not quote that exactly. 2 Timothy 1.7 God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and that is He wants us to love him so that that sound mind, that discernment will be given to us when these situations in life come before us. And in Jude, verse 21, we close with this. This is a responsibility that you and I have as believers. Jude 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. So, yes, it's a given. He loves us. He's not going to disown us, separate himself for us, from us. Uh, keep yourself in the love. This means to maintain yourself. It's a daily issue that we must keep up. Clinging to him, confiding in him, every step of the way. And we will find his faithfulness, his great love to us. Um, We will have that love as Ephesians 3.19. We're going to uh, understand his love that much the more. The fullness of God is going to fill us all that much the more. And passes knowledge, having that uh, kind of experience. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for this promise that has been given to us that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We pray, O God, that ever before us our responsibility will be set and that we keep ourselves in the love of God and all that that means, all that that entails. And we await for the shout imminently, O Lord Jesus, at any time you could could come, and then we shall forever be with thee, O glorious thought. Part us with thy blessing, for it's in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.